Welcome to another edition of Making Money under the same roof with the financial coach, Ron Hebert, longtime portfolio manager, now retired. I'm Gord Whitehead, retired broadcaster. Ron, good to see you in person. Let's talk about something that's uh, maybe not so good. Uh, this is about when couples stop getting along and the old D-I-V-O-R-C-E becomes an issue. Well, and the reason we want to talk about this, Gord, is because typically a divorce ranks as one of the most emotional events that a person can go through. Next to death, it's probably the most traumatic thing that you will face in your life. And when you're in the heat of the moment, you tend to forget a lot of things. And so what we thought it would be useful today is just to provide a checklist of things that if you find yourself going through a divorce, here's the 11 things that you should try to make sure that you do because if you do, it'll make things a whole lot easier on the whole process. You want to do it amicably, right? That's that's the first key, I would think. And uh, unless you're somebody like a Jeff Bezos or who knows, maybe Bill and Melinda Gates, when you're dealing with huge amounts of money, amicability sort of goes out the window, I think. And that's when the lawyers get involved, right? Yeah, and, and unfortunately what happens if the, the lawyers get involved, and I've seen divorces that have gone on for decades is that it hurts the family, it hurts both participants, it hurts the relatives, it hurts all your friends, and frankly it costs a lot of money. And so if you can settle amicably, um, I had a, uh, a friend a couple years ago and they sold their business and he announced that he'd found a younger version of her and wanted to start going out with her. And the size of the portfolio was 20, 30 million. Anyways, they got down to it where the argument was over about half a million bucks scored. And she wanted to hire an army of lawyers and he was, he was already lawyering up to hire you know, not the cheap lawyers. Get a defense going. Yeah, yeah. When you when you have uh, an estate that size, all of a sudden you figure that just your run-of-the-mill $250 an hour lawyer isn't going to cut it. You need five or six or $700 an hour. Yeah. yeah. term I've heard used is barracuda. Yeah. yeah. You need a barracuda. But, you know, I sat down with her and calculated the cost of how long this typically would take. And this was advice given to her by her lawyer and how many hours it would take. And the difference was down to about half a million bucks. And half a million bucks when you're going to, uh, after tax, probably get 11 or 12, it's probably to save you all the trouble and all the costs and all the emotional heartaches, half a million is nothing. It's a rounding error in a bigger picture. So unless it is so the, the settlement is so egregious, just hold your nose and settle amicably. You probably add 10 years to your life. All right, so what about an arbitrator uh, with someone who is, it doesn't necessarily have to be a lawyer, I suppose, could be an accountant, right? And there's actually people that are licensed arbitrators. And these are the probably the best people to go to because what happens is that all of us are human beings. We all have emotions. Our emotions color our, our thoughts and actions. And frankly, to have a third party come in 
that looks at both sides and isn't taking a position, is looking at it with just cold, hard reality, they will often come up with a solution that comes up the middle. And often you'll know that the, that solution is probably the best one because neither party's going to like it. Because <laughs> so, and an arbitrator is going to cost you a lot, lot less than a lawyer. Number two is an arbitrator will take much less time, so you'll get the aggravation and grief over quickly, and that's what you want to do if you want to stay healthy. One of the keys I remember hearing, Ron, years ago was, and this is, I think, a common practice, is a lot of people have joint accounts. When you get into a situation with a divorce, that's where it gets pretty muddy. So would the, would the best advice be to, in the beginning, have separate accounts? And if you don't have separate accounts, do you close those joint accounts and then start over again? The best thing to do is, is if, if the joint accounts have a lot of money in them, like their investments, it might be hard to, to close some of them. But before you get through the divorce, you want to have separate accounts set up. And as many of those accounts that are redundant and aren't significant amounts of money that are going to be involved in the settlement, uh, you can close those and reopen them in individual names. And you know, it always amazes me. I know some of these points sound rather, rather redundant or simple, but it, it always amazes me in the heat of the moment where people, um, they, they get a, something in the mail because they've moved and it gets forwarded. And a year later, they've still got accounts or they've got credit cards that are in in joint name and of course that can really be bad because if you've got a credit card in joint name and the other party racks up a whole bunch of debt um, you're probably going to be on uh, you're 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 on the your name's on the card so you're going to be liable for this so you want to be really diligent and close all these things down especially credit cards what about homes i mean homes are usually for the majority of people the biggest asset they have how do you what do you do about title well, you start changing the title on uh, on your assets, like your home, like your car, and some of these things you might be able to settle um, equally uh, before you go to divorce. Like if you each have a car and each each uh, and uh, you drive one car and I drive the other, well, it might be just easy to to do those before the divorce and get it settled. If the house is in both names, that gets a little more difficult because that's going to be in part of the settlement. And usually one person keeps the house, another person gets more cash. Or if they both decide to move away, the house ends up being sold. So um, you might have to wait on that. But here again, as the divorce moves along and it gets finalized, so um, when you finally, the ink is starting to dry on the page, these are some things that you want to make sure you do because usually, but not all the time, you're going to be told these things by your lawyer. Okay, what about liquidity? You, you're moving out, one partner's moving out, the other's staying put or whatever the case may be. You have to have money in, in order to start yourself up again, right? You're going to need money to start yourself up again. Like you say, you're going to need movie money to move out and certainly legal bills are, are can be significant. And you're just going to have a host of other costs of closing utilities down, opening other utilities up. So it's not a bad idea if you can, and you know you're headed for a divorce, and let's say you think it'll, you'll finally be able to get everything settled in three to six months, is you know sit down with your, your, your spouse, especially if you have a joint accounts, and agree on 
some liquidity that you can both have so that you're not caught in the corner because you know it can be hard to uh, establish new credit in your own name if you need to move and things like that you can really be caught in a corner um, if you don't so look at some of your assets things that are weak or things that have had a tremendous run start creating some liquidity so that it'll be easy for you you'll have the cash to be able to um, attend to those needs when you have when you need them now if you have investment accounts and I'm sure this is something you must have dealt with during your career a lot of times beneficiaries are named in those and often the beneficiary is the spouse correct typically uh, in an RSP or RIF um, because you can do a tax-free rollover if your spouse is named as the beneficiary so it's 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 wise to make sure that once things are, are settled that um, you change the beneficiaries on your insurance um, even if you don't have insurance sometimes you have insurance at work or you have a retirement plan at work don't forget about those as well and certainly your investment accounts and also, too, uh, should somebody fall to illness, uh, you know, often I know as part of, of my estate planning and all the rest of it, I've got legal directives and all that sort of stuff. Do you have to look at those as well? That's a big one because you want to make sure you're not only is your will updated, but your medical directives in case you had a uh, you have a coma. Who's going to direct the um, the care along the way. Yeah. The care along the way, or who's going to look after your investment accounts if you're in a coma for a couple of weeks? And you want your ex to be able to, to have to do that? Probably not. So, here again, uh, the first thing you want to do as soon as the divorce is, is settled is make sure your wills, your medical directives, your power of attorney, you probably want to attend to that and frankly get most of that done um, even before you get the divorce. Now, you did touch on this just a couple of moments ago, but trying to establish credit could be a bit of a challenge, I suppose, right? Yeah, especially, you know, in some households where you have one person that has been the income earner and the second person in the household tends to run the household, maybe look after the kids, and often looks after all the financial information because the other and investing because the, the other person is just so busy with their career, they don't have time. And many times it's the significant income earner where everything is in their name they have the credit cards they have the uh, they have the loans out at the bank for their business so they have established credit and you know if you're going through a divorce you want to get your own credit card you want to establish your own credit because after you get the divorce you're going to need it okay let's take a look at another one here uh, your addresses on 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 your utility bills and and all those little things that you sort of take for granted from month to month. You've got to pay attention to those. You know, when we moved about four years ago, Gord, I was surprised. It took me literally a whole day to go to the utilities um, and uh, then go to uh, well, the bank accounts. and all the rest of it. Yeah, yeah, the accounts, your property, everything has to be re registered. So um, you, you want to make sure that's on your list because you just don't want to leave a a major major asset or a utility in somebody else's name and especially if you don't get the bills you know the address changes or whatever and you don't get the bills they go to your old address and one of the most important things you can do is go down to the post office and give them a forwarding address for a year so that mail that comes 
will get redirected to you so it won't get lost because often there's very important things that come through the mail. I know now we have DocuSign and things like that where you can do it online, but still a lot of the major stuff still arrives via the mailbox. So um, for, get your mail forwarded. Make sure that everything's coming to you that you need to, and it'll cut down on your stress a lot. Well, the tax assessors and all the rest of Okay, now, once you're here, off on your own here now, you've established some credit, uh, maybe you've got a little liquidity, you have to be able to operate that on a budget. And maybe you've never done that before. Maybe you've never worried about a budget. Your spouse looked after the budgeting. Now you have to do that yourself, right? One thing I've always found is that people that um, have been have had long-term relationships with one another, when they split up, they're always amazed at how much things cost because, you know, you're... Um, a lot of your expenses get divided by two, your utility costs, your, your insurance on your car, and your, your mortgage payments, and all this get divided by two. But when you're just doing it solo, uh, you'll find things are a lot more expensive. So it's not just going out and say, well, this is my income, I'm going to divide it by two, and that's what I'm going to live on. You're actually going to have to sit down because your costs are going to be a lot higher solo than they were when the two of you were together. And I would think, Ron, just to kind of wrap this up, one of the things that everybody in this situation has to exercise is some patience, right? Like you've got to sit back and wait to see how everything unfolds. Don't rush into anything. Yeah, you don't want to make a major financial or relational commitment. And because you're highly emotional, and when you're highly emotional, that's when you're prone to make the biggest mistakes. And I can tell you that over 40 years of investing, I have made some of my best deals real estate deals especially, when I'm dealing with um, a couple or a family that is in the process of going through a messy divorce. Because often things get sold um, on fire sales because uh, they've just, they fought for so long and now all of a sudden they're, they're backed into a corner, they lead, need, leave, need liquidity. Um, you know, more than half of the divorces out there are caused by uh, frankly, financial problems. So often financial problems come in when markets aren't so good, when real estate isn't so good. So that's when you really get the fire sales. And you just don't want to end up in, in that corner. I know for an investor, it's great for you because you get to pick up something at pennies on the dollar. But for the person that's going through the divorce, it could be pretty rough. You know, and just anecdotally here, I, I can recall being on vacation several years ago at a resort, and there was an adjacent property that a beautiful location, but ramshackle, run down, dilapidated. Uh, you, you'll choose your, your descriptor. And I did some, you know, asking her, like, what's the story there? Ugly divorce that had been going on for years. So it can be ugly, and it can go on a long time, right? And it can and usually does. Those ugly divorces cost you a lot more money than they're worth. So a little sage advice from the financial coach, Ron Hebert. If you have any questions related to this or any other episode of Making Money, feel free to shoot us an email at our website, letsmakemoney.ca, or through the cfcw.com portal, and we will address it in upcoming episodes. Or if you have a show suggestion, we're always welcome to input. On behalf of Ron Hebert, the financial coach, I'm Gord Whitehead. Thanks for joining us. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional.
The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.